0: guys we're so glad you're tuning into the apex students podcast we hope you enjoy this message from apex students and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like jesus in college i made one of i made a really good friend and his name is mario and this is me and mario and um i actually put a picture of myself next to mario and then a picture of myself and sam at the same day and I don't think it means anything, but I looked way, like I was having way more fun when I took a picture with Mario. Um, It doesn't mean anything, it's just I hadn't seen him in a long time. Um, So Mario and I lived in an apartment together in college, and we are still really great friends today. We made like a bond, we forged a bond in college together. Um, One thing about Mario is that he is always down. For like whatever, he's down to do it. If it's like, you know, swimming or, especially if it's swimming, but any type of adventure, uh, Mario's down. He doesn't need to sleep. He doesn't need anything, like, to take care of himself. He just wants to, he just has an enthusiasm for life that I envy. Um... I'm not sure if many people in this room have heard this story, but I've told it a bunch of times to students about the time I jumped off a bridge and uh, really injured myself and I shouldn't have, but uh, I did. And I don't think that I would have been on that bridge that day. It was into water. To be clear, I should probably should have told the whole story, but <laughs> I jumped from off a bridge into water. It was like a 30 foot drop and maybe not the most wise thing I've done, but I know that if it weren't for Mario's enthusiasm for life, I would not have been on that bridge that day. And uh, I'm not sure if I would have said yes, if faced with that decision again. Um, but Mario has been a great friend. He's always down for whatever. He would often knock on my door late at night in college. And it would be like after midnight, like my sleeps, I get, go to bed at like an old man time today. Um, and I was basically doing that. If I was going to bed before midnight, I was in bed before all my friends. Um, but I would go to bed and he would knock on my door in the middle of the night. And like, I'm in bed sometimes asleep, he can see under my door that the lights are off and that I'm clearly in bed. And he would knock on my door um, to ask if I wanted to watch TV, (laughs) like not an emergency. He was just like, Hey, you want to watch this with me? And um, sometimes I would say, go away. I'm asleep. Um, But sometimes I would say yes. And I'm so glad that I did those times that I said yes, because it's part of what brought us together and why we're still, um, thanks besties today. I was hanging out with uh, a couple other friends, Jeff and Jonathan. These are friends from high school, and uh, they introduced me to Minecraft. (laughs) And uh, I didn't have much money, but I was like, i got to buy this game because it looks like so much fun. We played Minecraft for hours. Um, I can't imagine that I put more hours into any other game in my life. Um, Maybe like a dumb game on my phone, but it's got to be close because I spent a lot of hours. I'm glad I said yes to Minecraft that day. And... uh, Minecraft has probably impacted my life as much as Mario has and Jeff and Jonathan are good people too. <laughs> um, when I graduated college, I got a job offer from a church in Trucksville, Pennsylvania. Um, I had never been anywhere near <laughs> Northeastern Pennsylvania. Um, but we visited this church and we talked to the pastor and I was ready before Sam was, um, because she's just slower than me. And we said, yes. We said yes to coming up here. And boy, am I glad that I said yes that day. Um, That's this church. If you weren't following, that's, that's where we are today. We are all faced with questions, opportunities, invitations like this to experience something new, to go somewhere new, to meet someone new, all kinds of stuff. God is inviting us into his plan. And he's doing that, um, to to change us and to change the world around us and to help us grow and to send us where he wants us to go. He's giving us new opportunities all the time. And uh, just like with everything else, He doesn't just like push us into something scary and new and then just like leave us to figure it out. He's with us. He speaks to us. God helps us navigate things like this. And uh, he he helps us navigate those choices and those opportunities and invitations. And he prepares us for them. He prepares us ahead of time for the stuff that he has for us in the future. That's the thing about being outside of time. He can do cool things like that. Think about all the yeses that have ever been. (laughs) Think about all the yeses in biblical history. Aren't you glad Abraham said yes? because God reintroduced himself to humanity through Abraham. Aren't you glad Moses said yes? He led God's people out of Israel, out of slavery in Egypt. Aren't you glad Esther said yes to being um, a, a queen amongst men that were not very respectful of women, and she stood up and protected her whole people, protected God's people? I'm glad Esther said yes. Aren't you glad Peter said yes? the disciple who probably had a potty mouth, had a temper. He had some issues when Jesus met him. And he had some, Jesus, some issues after three years with Jesus too. Aren't you glad Peter said yes and was a, a major player in the early church? Aren't you glad Paul said yes? Paul, a guy who was uh, persecuting Christians, killing, going around killing people who said they would follow Jesus. And then Jesus said, I'd like you to join me. And Paul said yes. And again, wrote most of the New Testament Planted churches all over the place, was a part of the early church. Aren't you glad Jesus said yes to dying on the cross for us? Even in like recent history, aren't you glad Johann Gutenberg said yes? Asked? I'm just kidding. <laughs> he, he made the printing press. Like we wouldn't have books without this guy. He did it mostly, it was like 1400s. This is the 15th century. I just looked that up recently. <laughs> um, And he was like, I got to get the Bible all over the place. How can I do that? I got to figure out a way to print books. Thanks, Johan, for saying yes. Aren't you glad? I am so glad Martin Luther King Jr. said yes to being a leader in the civil rights movement. I am so glad Mother Teresa said yes to showing us humility and showing us mission work. I'm so glad that Christine Kane said yes to fighting human trafficking all over the world. I am so glad that Bob Goff said yes to showing the church what real joy looks like. I could keep going. You know some of those names. You, know, you don't know some of those names, and that's fine. But the point is, these people change the world. <laughs> some of them literally change the scope of humanity. More often, people change their world. They walk into your life, and they change your world. And I'm so glad for people that said yes To being in my life. I am glad that Shirley Johnson, Pat Schrock, and Bill Prioletto, otherwise known as Puppet Bill, said yes to being my kids' church leaders. (laughs) I'm so glad those people said yes. I'm so glad that Rob Furr said yes to being my youth pastor. I am so glad that Phil Baker said yes to being a mentor. To this day, I met him in college. He was my professor, and to this day, mentors me. I'm so glad Samantha Birchall said yes to marrying me if I go any further, I'll cry. But people in my life, I'm so glad that these people said yes to what God was inviting them into to change the world, to change my world. I'm so glad people saying yes changes things. Sometimes it changes the world. Often it will change someone's world. Imagine how much would be missed if any of those people said no. Imagine what the world would have missed out on if Paul had said no, if Martin Luther King Jr. would have said no. Imagine what my, I don't like to, imagine what my life would be like if Shirley Johnson said no, or if Sam would have said no to me. I don't like to imagine that world. My house would be cleaner, but that's, that's just, uh, but it wouldn't be worth it. It wouldn't be worth it. Tonight, I would like to talk about Your next yes. Your next yes. We're talking about what God is preparing you for right now. Because he's leading you to a new invitation, to a new opportunity, to a new choice to change the world, to change someone's world for him, to be a light in a dark world, to be a light in your school, to be a light in your workplace, to guide people toward him, to invite your family members to church, to show your friends what the love of God is like to be an ambassador of his kingdom here. That's what he's inviting you to do. Say yes. Say yes to that invitation. He's preparing you for that next invitation right now. He's putting events and places and people in your life to prepare you for the next yes, the next invitation, the next opportunity for you to say yes to him. So this is the bottom line for our conversation tonight. God is preparing you now for your next yes. God is preparing you now for your next yes. Right now, God is getting you ready for the next thing he has for you. To live out the purpose that he has for you. Wherever, whatever, whoever, whoever's life you're going to impact, wherever that's going to take you, he's getting you ready today. So we're going to talk about this a little bit. Talk about some biblical examples. First of all, I might move a little fast tonight. Um, We're going to go three areas, events, places, and people. So let's talk about events. Um, When I think about events that made people in the Bible who they are, I think about the parting of the Red Sea. And if you spent much time in vacation Bible school or Sunday school or church, you've probably heard of this. uh, And we touched even last week on some of the context here. But as a refresher, God's people, the Israelites, um, are enslaved in Egypt Joseph brought his family to Egypt. He was in charge at the time. And then there's like this big gap between Genesis and Exodus. And we're like, what happened? Because we leave Joseph being mostly a leader of of Egypt, like second in command to Pharaoh. And then we come back and his descendants are enslaved in Egypt. And there's this distance of relationship where the Israelites just, there kept being more and more of them. And the Egyptians felt um, threatened. Pharaoh felt threatened by their growing numbers. And he said, I know how I'll take care of that. I'll enslave them they'll be our, they'll take care of the infrastructure of Egypt. They'll build cool stuff. They're going to be our slaves so that they won't get too powerful. They won't think they can take us on. So that's how we, we pick up in the book of Exodus. And so Israelites, the God's people are like, listen, we, we need your help. They cry out to God and they say, you've, you've, you've taken, you said you take care of us. <laughs> you said you'd bless us. So help us get out of here. And God said, okay, I'll help you get out of there. He, he began this process of freeing them from slavery in Egypt. He sent plagues, these signs to show God's power to the Egyptians as a direct attack on the gods of the Egyptian people that they, that they worshiped. God said, that's nothing. (laughs) Let me show you what I can do. Let me show you who I am and how I will take care of my people. So, he sent plagues, these signs to show his power in Egypt. And finally, Pharaoh said, "Okay, okay, okay. There's, I'm, I'm stepping on frogs everywhere I go. The water is now blood. I can't drink anything. I can't see anything because you made the sun go away." Like he really took it out on, the, on Egypt. And Pharaoh said, "Okay, okay." Finally, after this is what we touched on last week, after the Passover, after the Angel of Death took firstborn of the Egyptians, Pharaoh said, "Okay, that's been enough. I'll let your people go. I'll let the Israelites go." And so they took off. The Israelites took off, and. Uh, Passover. So should I get into unleavened bread? So like unleavened bread means bread that didn't rise. So like God said, make, get some bread ready, but there's no time to let it rise. So it's going to be unleavened bread because in the middle of the night, you're going to need to get out of here. And so the Jewish people celebrated the Passover for years and years. And they called it the feast of the unleavened bread because God brought them out in the middle of the night and said, all right, it's time to go. So that's a little, that's a sidestep. So Israelites take off out, out of Egypt and then Pharaoh changes his mind. I don't know why Pharaoh changed his mind, but he changed his mind and he sent the army after the fleeing Israelites. And so now the Israelites are pinned between the Red Sea and the Egyptian army and they lose hope. They're like, at least we weren't gonna die when we were slaves. We had full bellies. Like, and they would go on to complain about that for a long time. But they're like, it was much better when we were slaves. And Moses said, chill out, everybody. It's gonna be okay. They were freaking out. And this is what it says in Exodus 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. Yes, sir. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. Whew, that'll preach today, huh? <laughs> we need that. So God told Moses, you're going to raise your staff. You're going to pick up that staff that I blessed. If you remember the burning bush, that I blessed that staff. To be a tool for your ministry, you're going to hold it over the Red Sea and it's going to part and there's going to be walls of water and you're going to walk on dry ground. Sounds crazy, yes. I believe it's historically accurate. It happened. So he did that. He raised his staff over the water. It parted and the Israelites went on dry land. And then in Exodus 14, 21, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. The wind blew all that night turning the seabed into dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on the dry ground with walls of water on each side. So there's dry land. I'd I, I love to put my, myself in the shoes of the Egyptians here as they're like looking at this scary walls of water. And they're like, okay, well, they did it. So let's just go. And they followed them And then when the last Israelite got onto dry land and all of the Egyptian army was on the seabed that was dry, the waters came crashing down and took out, all, swallowed up the Egyptian army and the Israelites were saved. Okay, that was a lot of backstory. But it was a defining moment for the Israelite people. This was a big deal. They made a whole feast about it. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is something they, they still celebrate today, Passover. This was a defining moment for them. And God reminded the Israelites over and over again. When when they got scared, he said, remember that sea? Remember walking on dry ground with walls of water next to you? And they would remind each other, hey, I don't know if if I can handle this right now. They said, hey, remember what God did for us. It was a defining moment. And it would build their faith. To remember it would build their faith and remind them that God takes care of his people. I tried to find a list, a complete list of references to how many times God reminded them or they reminded each other. I really did look, it was too hard to find. (laughs) Um, But I did find that there are 24 times in the Old Testament where this miracle is referenced, 24 times that this miracle is referenced specifically with the Red Sea, because you can do a quick word search and you can look for Red Sea, 24 times this miracle is referenced. And there are plenty more that You know, it was alluded to, you know, they talked about the water and they didn't say the words Red Sea. It's all over. It's all over the Old Testament. You'll see it. It was a defining moment. They remembered this moment because God was faithful then and he'll be faithful today. It's going to lead us nicely into this next idea um, because I want you to look for how God is preparing you for your next yes. This moment prepared the Israelites for all kinds of stuff in the future, for going into the promised land, for they were the people that God reintroduced His 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 Himself to humanity. Jesus came from the Israelite people; it prepared them. This was a big moment. Also, look for places, and this is a little more, maybe a little more concrete. Actually, um, certain places will be special for you and for your relationship with God and how God is preparing you. It's a it's a spiritual thing to think about. When I went to the Giant Center at 12 years old (laughs) um, and I worshiped, I really worshiped from my heart for the first time. And then I went again when I was like 13 and I really listened to a message for the first time. I, I had really spiritual moments with God at that place. At my church in New Stanton, Pennsylvania, on the other end of the state, four hours away, I had really impactful moments with God. There was a theater at my college where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that is a place, that's a holy ground for me. That's a holy place. And that's a spiritual thing, to have those places that you look back and you say, that place, this place might be for some of you. It is for me. One of those places that God worked through me, he prepared me for something. Think of it like a gym. Um, I hear that there's like buildings around the community where you can work out. Is that true? Um <laughs> Think of it like a gym. It's a place that prepares you. It, whether you're preparing for a fight, or you're preparing to be healthy and live long, or you're preparing for a really good Instagram picture, the gym gets you ready for something. Think of it that way. Today, we call the front of the church the altar. Come to the altar. And uh, it's a modern understanding of a biblical thing. God instructed people to build an altar to remember where he was faithful. If you remember, Abraham brings his son Isaac up to the mountain to sacrifice him, and he stops him, and he provides a, a, a ram in the thicket to be sacrificed in place of Isaac, and it's supposed to, we're supposed to think of Jesus, right? This is Jesus coming and stepping in and being the sacrifice for us, and he said, build an altar here so you can remember this moment These moments, these these places are important to our relationship with God. And and that happens in our, our altars at churches, right? It's a place where you invite people in an altar call to come to the front of the church. This is where do business with God here, seek him, let him change you. And an altar in a church can become a significant place for someone, it has for me. So if we look back at the miracle of the parting of the Red Sea, it gets a lot of attention, and that's for a good reason. God brings a lot of attention to it. But God does a similar miracle Three other times, he parts waters for his people to walk across four times. Five, if you include the creation narrative where God brought land, he parted the water to make room for land. That's like a more abstract thing, but we're supposed to think of all five of these moments together. But four times, he parts waters so his people can walk across. The first time he parted, so the first time was the Red Sea. The second time, if you count the Genesis one. Um, And then the last three, he parts the Jordan River. First people to walk across. The first time you part of the Jordan River, um, Israel, God's people are being led by a man named Joshua. And after they crossed the Jordan River on dry ground again, they were supposed to remember the last time they did it. And God says this in Joshua 4. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, now choose 12 men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take 12 stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. I just saw a picture today on Twitter that was like, you know how you can throw a rock into a lake and be the last person to ever touch that rock? That's a crazy thought, but this biblical this like Bible passage will challenge that thought. <laughs> because they were walking across the Jordan River on dry land and God said go back into the middle and pick up some rocks and bring them onto onto the land, onto the other side. What are we doing with these rocks, Joshua? We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them. They remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. This was an altar. It was important that God's people remembered the place that he came through for them. Remember that place. He instructed them to to look to the altars to remember what God was faithful. Look to the places where he came through and teach your children what happened here. Teach them about how their God is faithful. Make it a prioritize to memorialize God's faithfulness. Remember the miracles. Remember the way that God has shown his faithfulness. Remember how he provided for you and took care of you. Think about all the things that have happened in your life all the places that he's taken you, all the people that he's brought into your life and look for the ways that he's showed up and look for the ways that he's preparing you for something new. Look for the ways he's redeemed bad things that have happened for you. He's brought you through them and prepared you for the next opportunity for the next yes. God wanted them to remember this one so badly, to remember parting seas so badly that uh, he gave us the ordinance of water baptism. And we baptize people in water. Um, People in this room have experienced that. I got to had the privilege of of, um, baptizing some people here. And anytime we're baptized, we are supposed to remember the Israelites going on dry land in the Red Sea. That is how we memorialize, make an altar of that moment. Baptism. Remember God's faithfulness. And see how he's leading you to your next yes, because God is preparing you now for your next yes. Yes. I want to draw your attention to some people Um, in remembering the people that have shaped you looking back and appreciating the ways that God has brought people into your life to make you who you are, to change you that he, he brought people in your life to change you and prepare you for the next invitation, prepare you for the next yes. We've already been talking about Moses and Joshua, but we did not talk about their relationship. Moses was the one God used to part the Red Sea. Joshua got to part the Jordan River and Moses was the Israelite leader that God used to lead out of Egypt. And then he had a young leader underneath him that served underneath him. And that guy's name was Joshua. Moses trusted Joshua. We see Joshua help run an intelligence mission when they were checking out the promised land before they moved in. And when Moses is about to die, Joshua is the guy that takes his space, takes his place that that becomes the next leader of the people of Israel. And Joshua's time under Moses's leadership prepared him for that next yes. prepared Because when God said, Joshua, you're going to be the guy, he could have said, peace, I'm out of here. Not going to in that. That's too scary. I saw how it ended up for Moses. <laughs> he was mad all the time because you guys were complaining so much. But no, he was, he was prepared and he said, yes. Not long ago, we spent a few weeks in the book of Ruth. And uh, this book stands out to me as an example of people taking care of each other and preparing each other for the next yes over and over again. Uh, because imagine what would have happened if Naomi, uh, if, if Ruth would have said no to Naomi or, or said no to the opportunity to be with Naomi because <laughs> she did say no technically because Naomi, Naomi said, go home. I don't need you here. I, I, I appreciate you, but you got a life to live. Go ahead. And Ruth said, no, I'm, I know God is calling me into a yes to take care of you. And she did. She was ready to say yes to to God's invitation to take care of her mother-in-law because of her life before that moment. Because God had prepared her for that moment. And think about what what would have happened if Boaz would have said no. If he declined Ruth's marriage proposal. If he hadn't provided for Naomi and Ruth the way he did. He was ready to say yes to those opportunities because God had prepared him. These people took turns changing each other's lives and providing for each other and taking care of each other. God using them to take care of each other. They were better because of the impact they had on one another. And God prepared them to walk in the next yes that he had for them. This is true for you. God is preparing you now for your next yes. The things you're going through, the places you've been, the people you've met. God is using all of that to prepare you for your next yes for the next thing that he's calling you into a new experience, a new path. He's getting you ready right now. And it's easy to look back and see how that was true. Uh, But I'd like to challenge you to see it today, to look around your life now and ask yourself, how is God using this to prepare me for my next yes? I can see how he prepared me for my last yes. That was easy. But how can I look around and see how God is preparing me for my next yes right now? How can he redeem the bad things and leverage the good things for his good? How can he be using the places that I am right now as a gym to prepare me for my next yes? How could he be guiding people into my life to shape me and challenge me into the person that is ready for God's next invitation to say yes? So this is what our small group conversation will be about. I'm going to take some time to look back identify how he already did it, and to look at our present and future to see how God is preparing us for our next yes. Because I, I believe this to be an absolute truth. God is preparing you now for your next yes. Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you today for the ways that you are moving in our lives, preparing us for our next invitation, for the next time that you challenge us and invite us into an opportunity to change the world, to change Someone's world. Help us to say yes. Give us the strength, the bravery to step out and maybe leave something that's comfortable so that we can be used by you in a new way because you're calling us to something new. God, help us to see the events that that are shaping us today. Help us to see the places that you're bringing us to and the people you're putting in our lives to guide us, to shape us, and to prepare us for the next invitation, to prepare us to say yes when you call us. We love you, we thank you that you help us through this. We thank you that you don't just leave us alone to figure it out. I thank you for your voice and for your calling and for what you're doing in my life and the students' lives that are here tonight and listening later. We thank you so much. In your precious name we pray, everybody said, Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.